Welcome to Dogma, the podcast. It's with me, Mike Graham. And me, Kevin O'Sullivan. It's about his dogs, about my dogs, about your dogs. We'll be doing it every week, occasionally with a celebrity guest. Welcome to another exciting edition of Dogma, the podcast. This is, of course, myself, Mike Graham, and Kevin O'Sullivan, my colleague at Talk Radio. Uh, we're both dog owners. Uh, we're both dog lovers, uh, I think it's safe to say. Uh, and it's time for us to have another chat. Now, we haven't got a celebrity with us this week, Kevin, uh, which I don't mind, by the way, because the thing about celebrities is that all they want to do is talk about themselves. And, of course, you and I like to talk about ourselves. So why can't we just do one today without a celeb? Yeah, just to pay a, a very big <laughs> tribute to ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> Let's talk exactly. about our favourite subject, although, ourselves. Although I must admit, it has been great. We've had Eamon Holmes, it was great. We've had Cyrus Khan, and we had Peter Regan, and we've got yeah. more people coming up, but we just haven't got one in uh, for today. So so let's just talk about our dogs, because I've been back, I think, since we started doing this podcast, and I think we started off where I was saying I'd rather miss my dog, because we started yeah. this in lockdown. I hadn't seen Ziggy, or uh, my children, by the way, um, who care a lot less about me than he does um, for about eight weeks. <laughs> and he was the only, do you know, he was the only one who was really, really, really pleased to send me. But when he first saw me, I think he was, he was a bit kind of out of sorts because, you know, you've been to my place in Sussex. There's of course, a, yeah. You park the car, you, you open a gate, you walk down a little pathway. Yep. Um, and he was kind of running, he was so excited, he was sort of running around around in circles, his tail was wagging, and he, but, but he kind of wasn't sure quite how to deal with it the first time. Now I've been back a few times, he's back to normal, he's fine, you know, sleeps on the bed, the whole thing, uh, and loves uh, getting his head stroked and all that. But at the beginning, he was quite, I think, like all creatures, and I think even my, my family as well, he was a bit kind of not sure about who I was or what I was doing. And we worked out, actually, that for the time that I'd been away in dog time, it was about a year. Yeah, the thing is, I saw your pictures uh, of you all re reunited on the beach down there in the Hastings yeah. uh, and with the dog, obviously really thrilled to be back in the family. They have a big thing, dogs, about everyone being present. Yes. So they have their idea of a pack and you've all got to be there. If right. one of you isn't there, the dog tends to get very uh, discombobulated, very uh, sort of uh, stressed out. Yeah. They like to have everyone present and correct. Yes. So I'm sure he was thrilled when you turned up because that's the uh, re-instignation uh, of, the, of the pack. Yes, exactly. Um, and he sees me, I think, as very much the leader of the pack. Um, yeah. Similarly, um, when he's, uh, one of the kids is away, for example, if they go off somewhere with their friends or if they spend a week away uh, with me in London or something like that, he's very, very happy when they come back as well. So, so that's obviously true that you have that kind of, uh, you know, togetherness. He's also, you know, probably last time you saw him, he used to have these rather unsightly paws because he used to lick his paws quite a lot. <laughs> And since yeah, yeah. lockdown, he's stopped doing all that. So I mean, we figured it must have been out of some anxiousness or something because he's now, he's never left alone anymore. Yeah. Well, uh, Chaz, uh, Chazbo, our dog, a uh, little spaniel, won't, uh, if, if one of us goes out, it's kind of weird. If one of us takes him out for a walk, yeah. that's fine as long as uh, the other person isn't at home. So if I'm out working at Talk Radio, and Henrietta takes Chaz out, he's mm. fine. If I happen to be in and I'm doing something and I can't go out for the walk, so he's aware that I'm at home, he, he won't go anywhere. He'll only go 10 yards up the road. It, that's not good enough. Uh, the whole 
Everybody who's available to come out on the walk has to come out on the walk. God knows what goes on in their heads, but they have a very strict set of rules about this kind of thing. Yeah, they're quite conservative dogs, aren't they? I mean, they're not terribly <laughs> they adventurous. Really are. You know, they get used to where they go. They like going where they go. They don't really want to go anywhere else. I remember talking to a dog behaviourist once when I said, you know, he's so happy to do exactly the same thing every single day. You know, you can take him to exactly <laughs> the same place. He's really, really pleased. He's like, oh, here we are again at this place where you yeah. come yeah, every you go single the same, day. This, the same old place. Yeah. The same old place. And the dog goes, amazing. Yeah. Can we go we back? We haven't been here for 24 hours. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. But, of course, the funny thing is, is this guy said, yeah, but he said, for you, it's the same. He said, for him, it's not the same. Because for him, there's all kinds of new smells. There's all kinds of things to see, to sniff. You know, for him, it's a completely different walk every day. But it's also where, you know, you kind of make mistakes trying to relate to your dog because you kind of, uh, what's that word, anthropomorphize them yes. and you think that they should be like us, but they're not. Mm. Uh, and I just think that dogs, uh, in terms of places, the, the walks they go on every day, the way they say it is, I really like this place mm. uh, and nothing will ever... Uh, fade with that they will always love that place yeah. uh, to 100% so every time they go there even if it's every three hours they will treat it as if it's a fantastic new experience <laughs> it's that, you know, that's the funny thing about dogs is the excitement they have uh, with what to us seems pretty mundane I've got another uh, last week uh, Chaz because he's a spaniel mm. um, he has a, it's quite common with the breed he has problems with his ears he oh yeah sort of, yeah sort of... we we have the same in fact i i had problems with my ears last week and i, I was pretty sure i might have caught labrador ear you know because <laughs> they were kind of slightly slightly sore which his are and he shakes his head quite a lot when he's like that mm. and slightly yeah. kind of um like dull so he couldn't hear very well yeah well i took so, so Chaz has had this for some time and in fact at one point he had a 500 quid operation really? to try and sort it out but it isn't right yet right. so last week uh, Henry I said oh we've got to take him to the vet so we did take him to the vet in the new sort of lockdown rules you have to park in the car park out oh, the yeah. back phone the vet uh, and then the vet uh, one of the assistants will come out all masked up with a plastic screen on mm. his head and everything oh, yeah. uh, takes the dog away um, uh, into the uh the sort of medical room and then the, the, the vet phones you as he's uh, examining the oh, dog yeah. and uh, anyway um, so what is it? It's an internal it, ear thing or an external yeah, ear Yeah, it's, it's a th sort of infection. They think it might be allergies. They're not really mm. sure. But anyway, um, he said, uh, oh, well, look, um, these, these are the pills. You, you try these pills. That might help. They're, they're anti-allergy pills. But, of course, it conformed to the, for the, the, the golden rule of going to the vet with your dog. Uh, you never get out there for less than 100 quid. Right. So it was 104 pounds, 10 minutes, <laughs> right, a little brilliant. box of pills, you know, every single time. I was, you know, the other week I was telling you about my dog in L.A., Stanley. Yes. Um, and uh, we gave her a home because she'd been made homeless. And This uh, is the earthquake uh, dog, right? Yeah. And I told that long story about how she became our dog. We mm. took her over to England. Anyway, I forgot one element of the story. When we got old Stan just after the earthquake back in uh, 94, 5, whatever mm. it was in L.A., um, about three days later, we're taking her for a little walk, and she's limping a bit on one of her back legs. Mm. So I said to Henry, it's limping. And I said, well, we better take her to the vet. So we took her to the vet. The vet said, ah, uh, they x-rayed her and said, ah, it, she's obviously hit something in the earthquake. Mm. Her back leg's absolutely shattered. Right. Needs an operation. So I go, oh, okay then. So we've had this dog three days. 
goes in for an operation is twelve hundred dollars. Jesus. <laughs> and you never and then you never saw the dog limping. Uh, well, they're very. Uh, that's the thing. That the, another thing that separates dogs from us is they're mm. very, very stoic about pain. Yes, they really uh, are. And they won't show it to you if they if they can cover it up right. successfully. Yeah, because so, I guess they yeah. they kind of they, they they sort of I guess they're stoic is the right word because they don't mm. they don't let it affect what they do really, do they? No, no, that's the point. They uh, and they will try to cover it up, and they would walk. You know, they so so the the vet said to me, I said, well. You know, if a dog, if a back leg's absolutely shattered, which, by the way, it was, there was nothing they could do with this leg. They had to, they had to um, get rid of the joint and everything, and just mm. sort of leave it hanging there. Uh, but uh, the vet said to me, uh, "She is in absolute agony, but you wouldn't, but not showing you." Yeah, it's amazing, isn't right. it? Right, it is amazing. I had a the first dog I ever had actually was for, was was a present for for my daughter Emma when she was about six. Um, when I was living in Wiltshire with her mother, and we got this amazing dog uh, who was called Ben, uh, who we thought was a pedigree black Labrador because uh, my uh, then wife said that she had gone to this breeder to get a pedigree black Labrador, and um, she was quite loud. I don't know if you ever met her, did you? Did you ever meet uh, my ex-wife? You might have done, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, of course I did. Yeah, yeah. of course I did. Anyway, um, so um, when we lived in this little tiny village in the West Country, you know, where everything seemed to cost about 300 quid. You know, like whatever happened with, you know, there was a block drain, something wrong with the, with the, with the toilet, something wrong with the, you know, we had this anthracite boiler because it was such an old sort of work, workman's cottage. We had to get a tree taken out. Everything was 300 quid, apart from the dog, which was 600 quid, right? And um, uh, she takes him to the vet for his shots and uh, he goes, what kind of dog do you say this was? <laughs> she goes, it's a black lab. And he's like, uh, no. It's not. It's definitely not a black lab. It's certainly not a pedigree. It turned out that it was half black lab and half wolfhound because the, the mother had somehow got out in the night and been rogered senseless by the nearby wolfhound, right? And uh, so, of course, but it was a great dog and it had a beautiful temperament. Um, but she then got into this massive row with the people that sold us the dog. Um, and I got a phone call one day from this guy and it turned out that the, the, the guy's, uh, the, the woman's husband, was like the chairman of Bath Rugby Club or something. He rang me, and I was working at the Express at the time. He said, you're going to have to stop your wife uh, saying these things about my wife. I said, what are you talking about? He said, she's going around the village saying that she's a liar, she's a con woman, you know, she's some kind of, you know, <laughs> crook. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I said, my, my wife's a bit overexcitable, you know, what can I tell you? He's like, can we not come to some kind of arrangement? So we kind of, as men, sorted it out, where basically I said to him, look, why don't you say that you haven't given me any money? Why don't I tell my wife that you've given us half the money back? And yeah. we'll go for a beer and forget about it. He said, yeah, that's, that's fine. So that's what we <laughs> Is that did. that what right? you did? So that's what we did, right? <laughs> but the dog was fantastic. But he was huge, right? Because, of course, wolfhounds are quite tall and wiry. Yeah. And he had this incredibly wiry wool. Uh, on his, on his, and he, and he was sort of going grey before he was even fully grown, you know. But he had the neck the size of like Mike Tyson, and he was, you know, massive dog, really lovely. But anyway, when he was still a, a puppy of about three months before we'd got any dog insurance or anything, we had a field behind the house, and he ran off with with Emma and, and her brother. And all I heard after about five minutes was this kind of, <laughs> and he had basically <laughs> twisted his knee in some way while he, because he was so big and heavy, which he obviously yeah. didn't know that he was because he thought he was little. Um, twisted his knee in such a way that it needed like what do you call it arthroscopy or something to fix yeah, yeah, and of course yeah. then um that and that was about three or four hundred quid at the time and he was his leg was really never the same again but we couldn't get insurance after that either because they were like have you got insurance we went no well they won't you won't get it now 
because he's got a pre-existing yeah, yeah, condition. Yeah, they call it pre, pre-existing, pre-existing condition. condition. Yeah, but it was a fantastic. He was a fantastic dog, and really, really. I mean, he used to do this kind of crazy thing where he'd just run around the garden and just knock everything over. He would like knock over the barbecue. He'd knock over the table because he just would <laughs> hit things with his head. You know. Amazing. They don't have any idea of their size, do no, they, dogs? No, so and I mean, get... and he was great with it because the kids were really quite small in those days. Yeah. Mm. But but a nice dog, yeah? Oh, he was lovely. Really lovely. It was a sad ending, though, because when we got divorced, um, which wasn't very pleasant at all, I was in Scotland, um, she took the dog to the place we used to take the dog to on when we went on holiday um, and basically said she was going on holiday to the States and then just never came back, just left him there. So, so where did the dog stay? And well, I mean, it was a very nice place. It was a farm, and it was a woman who had horses, and she kept loads of dogs herself, but she also would board dogs as well. Um, and it was very nice in the sense that the dogs were not in kennel, kennel conditions. Okay. It was like a farm, so he would have his own kind of, you know, stable door almost, you know, have his own, like, hay and all that. Um, and because I was in Scotland working, I couldn't do anything about it, you know. And so I never found out until after that you know, some months later that, that she, and then she'd also told the kids that I'd banned her from bringing the dog to America, which wasn't very nice. It's sad. It's sad for the dog. Cause the dogs are like, they really, you know, they, their world becomes their, the family yeah, that they're in. Of course. So that's sad. That it's it really sad. The only that, thing I yeah. suppose that you can say is that at least he knew the woman where he went. Cause he'd been there a few times and, and she was a very lovely and, and, and warm person. And, and she had lots of other dogs. So he hopefully he would have been happy. I like the idea of the, like, the massive row about that's not a Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fantastic, yeah. I mean, because it's the kind of thing, but, you know, if, if you've ever lived in, in the English countryside, but, you know, it's very tight-knit. Everybody knows what everybody uh-huh. else is doing. I mean, so much so that when we moved down there, I think all the workmen in the area sort of passed the word around that, you know, this crazy American woman had moved into the village and was up for almost any kind of home improvements that anybody could suggest. So if you turn up at the house, more than likely you'll be able to get 300 quid off her for doing something, which is more or less how it went. (laughs) You know, unbelievable. So in the end with Stan, how did that end? Because I don't think you ever told us that story. Well, uh, you know, I had to pay out for the, that that was the the operation. And then actually, some years later after we brought her back to um britain uh because the the operation they did in la wasn't perfect mm. so it caused more problems so she had to have another operation back here right. uh and um uh, again that was very expensive as well it was about 2 grand mm. or something wow um but she the basically the leg just sort of dangled there mm. it was there but it wasn't functional but she didn't really care. So could she not then, run um, really or anything? Yeah, no. I mean, she she could run very really quickly, but basically only had three legs. Right. Uh, although it didn't really look like that. But um, she um, at a certain stage when she was about, I mean, she was about sixteen or something when she died. Mm. But when when she was about nine, she got uh, you know she was limping or something, and the, the vet said, "I'm afraid this is cancer." Right. Uh, and they gave us this option which was uh, we could drive Stan up once a week to Cambridge University, to the veterinary college there, where they would give her this groundbreaking um, uh, sort of uh, radiotherapy. Right. So, uh, and everyone else in the room, including us, you'd have to put on these lead suits so you were protected from the rays. And she would go into this sort of tube and they bombard her back leg with um, these rays. 
Uh, and the temporary result after that was, and by the way, that, that, that we had to do this every week for about six weeks, and then it worked. It actually cured her, and she lived for another seven years. So that was amazing. So we did this every week. Anyway, the point is, is when they bombarded these rays at her back leg, it temporarily completely um, uh, sort of uh, ruined the nerves in the back in the back of her body. So she couldn't actually. Uh, walk for about five ten minutes. Mm. So I remember once she came out sort of hobbling away out of this veterinary college, and she saw and there was a green sort of grass outside the college, and she saw a squirrel on the other side of the um, uh, field, right. and she thought, "Well, I'll have that." And uh, she tried to run off after the squirrel, but of course her legs didn't work. <laughs> so. <laughs> But this is, an, again, a, a sort of window into the way dogs think. It's not the same as us. So instead of going, oh, my God, my legs don't work, she just like started trying to pull herself forward <laughs> on her front legs as right. fast as possible to still be able to get, the, uh, uh, to, to get the squirrel. And, of course, you know, in her whole life, she spent you know, most of her time trying to catch squirrels. In her whole life, she never caught one. No. Well, Ziggy's the same. I mean, we have a lot of rabbits around us and there's a fox as well that drives him insane. I mean, if he sees the fox, he literally turns into like oh, the yeah, hate guard foxes, dog ever, right? Um, and, he'll, and he can smell the fox, but the fox is pretty brazen. He just basically walks across the garden where he feels like it, you know, because he's too quick to get away from, uh, from Ziggy. But also, he normally has a rabbit in his jaws, this fox, whenever we see him. Um, and the poor thing, I mean, we actually found a, de- a decapitated rabbit once around the back end of the garden where he had literally obviously been discovered somehow yeah. quickly, and he, and he, but he managed to rip the head off it. Um, and this, the rest of this rabbit was just lying there. But, I mean, yeah. Ziggy's chased loads of rabbits and never caught one. And rabbits yeah, aren't that's that right. quick. They're not that quick, it's, really. It's the, it, the, with dogs, it, the, every, everything they ever do is like the triumph of yeah. optimism over reality, yeah. isn't it? So, so, yeah, Stan... Spent spent her whole life trying to catch squirrels. Never did. Right. Uh, Chaz spends his whole life trying to catch squirrels, cats, foxes. <laughs> has never caught one. Right. And yet they always think they will get it. They yes. always. I'll get. I'll get this one. Yeah. It is funny. I mean, Ben. Uh, when 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 we had him, the, the high, one of the highlights of his life was uh, running into the, in this little village that we lived in. There was a village hall which got hired out from time to time for various different activities. And on this particular occasion, he'd been hired out for a wake. There'd been a funeral up in the church up the road and all these people, the mourners, had all got into this place and decided to have a little sort of tea and sandwiches kind of scenario. <laughs> Unfortunately for them, somehow, I don't know how he did it, um, he somehow slipped his lead as we were walking past and he just raced into the open door of this place and you could just hear the screams. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just outside going, oh, God. Oh, I didn't, well, didn't even want to go in. And he literally was up on the... T- they had these long tables... He was on the tables, just you know, devouring anything that he could get in his mouth—sandwiches, you know, bananas, you know, knocking you everything over. Going, we had to go in and just—I just sorry really, about I'm that. Sorry, because what can you do, right? You can't sort of—you can't go look. I offered to make reparations. You can't. He's already ruined everything, right? People were just horrified. <laughs> just really thing, sorry. That's the thing about dogs. They don't care. Really... In in terms of the things, their behaviour and the things that they will do, nothing is out of limits. No. I mean, going back to Stan... Uh, Especially where in, food is concerned. Yeah, well, in LA, when we used to walk up these canyons and they've got amazing sort of open-air spaces there. Right. And uh, I was with her on her own once and we were high up in this uh, sort of hill canyon thing. And she dived into a bush, right. suddenly very excited. And, oh, God, what's she seen now? Uh, and came out... 
with a massive, great rattlesnake right. in their mouth. Uh, uh, and they are um, lethal. They are lethal. Not, not only to dogs, but also to people. Right. And so there it was, and it was going... You know, to Jesus oh, Christ. God. So... Um, and did she have it sort of, of has she bitten it sort of in the middle or something? No, she she literally had it round the neck, which right. was the lucky thing. That's so good, yeah. So at least it could get its it. head yeah. back, but it was trying to. Mm. And I just sort of you know, sort of screamed at the dog, let go of that and she sort of loosened the grip a bit and I managed to grab hold of the snake and just hurl, hurl it, it yeah. ten Jesus. feet. That was then brave we, of then you. We, uh, well, you know, you get used to that kind of thing in LA. There's lots of uh, uh, dangerous yes. creatures. Black black widows in our uh, garden. Oh, God. Because I was going to say, I mean, the thing about America, as I would say, certainly on the East Coast, which I know more about, it's quite hard to find public spaces to walk dogs, really, because there's not that many... You know, where my sister lives, she's got that um, sort of field opposite her, which is open to the public. But most of the, the the sort of the town, I would say, where she is, there's nowhere like, say, Hampstead Heath that you could take the dog. Um, and where it can run, you know, without a lead on. You know, everywhere you'd go would have to be, you know, you know people's private property has to be protected. They're quite funny about that. And they don't have fences very often. Um, yeah. You know, in fact, you might remember, you remember Ivor Key, he brought his dogs yeah. once to Mari's house and he had that, you know, those those um, electronic sort of flags that you get, which is the way yeah. that some people say you shouldn't ever use them. But he said that they were great because everywhere he went, there was never a fence to keep the dog in. And so basically right. you had this collar around the dog and if it went past the uh, where the flags were, which you could put in a big round circle, um, they yeah. would be they would get a little bit of an electric shock. Okay. But he but he yeah. said but they never they they did it once and then they never did it again. So as soon as they saw where the flags were, they stayed inside that area. But he said he had to do that all the time because there's just no fences anywhere. Well, in, in L.A., there are lots and lots of canyons and uh, wild areas where they're great for walking your dog. But as I sort of implied just now, mm. you have to be kind of careful. Yeah, right. But letting the dog off the lead because there are all sorts of creatures or critters, as yeah. they call them in America. Well, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if there's so a few got, mountain got, lions uh, knocking around there. Yeah, literally mountain lions, yeah. coyotes, lynx, cats, right. uh, snakes. Uh, so you've got to be a bit careful of that. But you can. There's lots of nice areas to take them with. Huh. But as in the rest of America, they have this thing about the only place you can let your dog off the leash, as they call it, yeah. is uh, in these dog parks right. uh, where you go there and there's thousands of dogs in these quite small areas, mm. uh, mostly fighting, and they're right. really, really horrible to go there. And we took uh, Stan there once, and she was very much a sort of leader among dogs, so she would corral up lots of other dogs and get them to go and do everything together. So so there's this, imagine this size of a football pitch, really, or big, big uh, uh, fences all around it, dogs running everywhere, forlorn owners trying to get hold of their own dogs. Stan goes in there, rounds up about 20 dogs, mm. and she's found a hole in the fence. Of course. So she's basically going, come on, out. <laughs> <laughs> so 20 great dogs. Great escape. Yeah. <laughs> spilled out into the streets so there's 20 of us running down uh, santa monica boulevard oh, trying to get our dogs back jesus i mean they really can be a nightmare i mean i've actually been i suppose been quite lucky that nothing terrible has happened but i mean ziggy's lucky as well because he sort of lives on a farm and he doesn't really have to go anywhere but he's funny he won't go up into the high street now um in, really? in the old days uh, when we first lived there uh, it was only that the uh, the, the butcher there's a butcher's shop there uh, and he used to get very weird around it. You know how they, when they get somewhere they don't like, and he would kind of hunker okay. down slightly, and he would almost pull back and try and sometimes get out of his of his collar. 
Um, and he wouldn't. He didn't want to like get, the butchers. He show. didn't like That's the butchers. Unusual. It was unusual because we thought to ourselves, well, they maybe, love butchers. Well, normally he'd be in there just ripping out all the sausages. And, but but there was something about the butchers. Then there was a terrible accident in the high street, um, and a woman was killed by a car which kind of jumped the pavement, um, and that made him even worse because he sort of almost knew that there'd been a, a, a death there. Really. And he won't go anywhere near where that happened either. It's really weird. Yeah, yeah, so we think the butcher must be a murderer. Yeah, they're, well, they're very perceptive dogs. If, yeah. if dogs don't like someone, there's usually a reason yeah. for it. It's quite strange, quite strange. Yeah. Anyway, more tales of, uh, of Chasbo and Ziggy and various others uh, coming up. We'll do um, another podcast same time next week. Uh, we'll see you then. We'll be back next week with some more dog stories, shaggy dog stories and just general dog stories. But uh, if you've got any questions for us, well, we've got a new Twitter account that you can post the questions on. Kevin, tell them what it is. At Dogma the Podcast. <laughs>